0: Hey everybody, this is Robert. I am the owner of Dallas Design Sprints here in Irving, Texas. This is the Dallas Design Sprints podcast. Thank you very much for listening. Thanks for tuning in. I'm going to talk about clients this week. The types of clients that you run into, the types of clients that you can hope to get, and the entire spectrum of what you need to deal with or consider when working with clients. Now, let's say you're starting out as a design sprint facilitator for the first time, or you've just got your certification, or you've just been to through a class, and you're really enamored and really think this process is the cat's meow. It's got a lot of potential. You can see yourself doing this for a long time. Maybe you're like me and started a business, whatever your situation is. Uh, there's going to come a point where you want to try to take what you've earned, or not earned, but learned, and apply it in a real world situation, either through getting a client, being part of a greater holistic team around design sprints, maybe even getting a job at an enterprise that currently does design sprints, perhaps like Home Depot or maybe even Lego, whatever. You wanna be able to apply what you've done and put it to real world use. If you're solo like me, a solo entrepreneur, you're part of like a small to medium sized business that's doing design sprints today, you're gonna run into a wide variety of clients. Now, for reference, before I even started going down this road of having a design sprint business as a center, I used to do consulting work for about three or four years, and I used to work with marketing agencies. I would be the person that they would call in to do specialized work around information architecture, wireframing, prototypes, you name it, or content creation. I was pretty versatile in that regard. And I also had a lot of experience with a lot of different clients back then. Not much has changed really in terms of dealing with clients and selling design sprints, but what I'm going to do today is kind of convey some things that based on a design sprint just came out of and the recollection of what I used to do as a contractor, hopefully give you some insight as to what clients to watch for and what clients to avoid and also ones to adopt, especially if they seem like they're very good professional endeavors. So let's get started with a couple of them. In fact, we should probably start with how do you identify them? When do you know you should back away from an opportunity that will do more harm than good? Uh, so let's start with the one that I see a lot of, especially in design sprints. It seems to come up a lot. That's the solo visionary. So you get to work with a C-level executive and only the C-level executive, usually, on your next design sprint. All thoughts and decisions go through this person without any other client team members active or present. They act as the ultimate resource. They are the decider. They're the subject matter expert in whatever they do, whether it's technology, marketing, uh, sales. But essentially, you're contracting with a single person that wants to use the design sprint process to take an idea that they have and see it through to a potential internal opportunity for them to either market or say this is the next big thing. They have a unique vision and they want to drive it toward, they want to drive everyone towards a prototype that they can sell. Here's the problem with that situation, beyond the fact that it's just one person on the client side. Most solo visionaries, in my experience, are oriented to view teams like that, whether design sprints or design teams or development teams for that matter, as resources and not team members, so to speak. More often than not, they tend to work you into oblivion. It's not uncommon to hear a client-side team of one adjusting scope or adding to a storyboard or changing direction or potentially taking what the team has done and casting it aside saying it doesn't align with my original vision. I've seen some teams, and this has happened recently, where Because the scope is varied or it's aligning to a vision that doesn't fit well within the design sprint process, you'll be refining that prototype and working on it until 2 o'clock in the morning or 3 in the morning. Sometimes with that solo visionary right there on the call, adjusting, refining, going through micro interactions to their personal specifications, it can run the gamut. It all depends on the nature of the person you're talking about. And those same solo visionaries will expect an iteration sprint to occur the following week. They will want to see this through. Even if it isn't on the contract, they want the work to be done. And unfortunately, if you sign the contract, you're on the hook for it. What you have to keep in mind, especially early on in the beginning, is deciding to do a design sprint is an intense process. It requires full commitment from the team taking part in it, not just a single individual. If you don't have less than 100% engagement from everyone who who's has a stake in the project success, you're setting yourself up for something less than expected. I can understand that for this particular engagement, you really work into someone's vision and that it is what it is. But I tend to think that if you're going down this road, there are a lot of pitfalls, a lot of landmines, that will ultimately stretch you thin in a lot of ways that you didn't expect. So solo visionaries are great if they're an extension of a greater team that's behind it. So maybe the design sprint is less, but more often than not, they tend to be people that just are looking for an extended design team to kind of align to their vision. Another situation that I've seen often is budgetless endeavors but you don't really know there isn't any budget. So let's say you have an opportunity to work with an organization going through a digital transformation. It's a larger company. There's room for both training and direct engagement of project teams on the design sprint process. It's some potential multi-month contract that offers some great solid work for the coming months. The problem is that no one knows where the money is coming from. So it could be on the books or it's in planning. Or there's a desire to get a head start and begin exploring the problem space. And the funding will eventually come in a bit. Or it could be a startup that's waiting for another round of funding. Or an existing company that paid a parent company, which should send over the first 50% in the check in, the check in a couple weeks. Whenever you run into that situation where there's just a delay or there's, there's this hang-up or it's a procedural move, you really need to stop, turn around, and run as fast as you can the other direction. I have never seen those work out, especially if they're startups. If there isn't a payment upfront for at least half of the contract, or you don't have a signed contract in hand by an official representative of the company you're doing business with, don't waste your time. Even with that signed contract, there should be some sort of upfront payment. And, and I, you, you shouldn't really refer anyone else either to this particular engagement. You're setting them, you're setting them up for the same pain that you are trying to avoid. Uh, it's, it's a bait and switch that I've seen too many people get burned in. So you really have to know, and the client needs to know where that money is coming from. And it has, at least half has to be paid up front. You aren't doing this thing for charity, especially design sprints. They're just too intense. There's too much work involved. You got to make sure you know where the money's coming from. The third group, I'll just call them bad communicators. Let's say you're working on the details of your next design sprint with a potential client. Uh, There's been a few phone calls, a series of emails, maybe a sprint charter that's gone through a few revisions. You're getting pretty close, and there's still a few details or issues to work through. You should have the contract hammered out by the end of the week. No problem. Everything's copacetic. Everyone's using positive language. Everyone's going, yeah, no problem, and everything else. But you're noticing that some conversations are going unanswered. That happens. You have a lot of things to keep on top of, but you're also seeing the client not pay attention to particular details around deliverables, around scope, around direction, and they may seem like minor infractions or nuances as things are moving along, but they probably hint at a larger problem. For me, whenever a client is enlisting or comprehending to what's going on during the planning stages of a design sprint, I usually call a timeout. I say, stop, hang on. Something isn't, we're not working out the details properly. There's something either going on that's parallel with my own effort with trying to engage the client and work out the details, and something that seems to be distracting on the client's side. Or I'm sensing that the lack of my client's full attention maybe symptomatic of something more problematic. I, I don't know. But one way of making sure this never happens is having a problem a proper problem-framing event, which you might have heard of previously. So something, something similar to what Design Sprint Academy does. I mean, you can look them up online and see their materials on problem-framing. Jay Maloney also does work on this topic, and he has really good articles about it. But that would... Alleviate any concerns I would have about properly communicating, but even so, admit that may not may not, that may not work. You may just have somebody that just has their head in some in a completely different place. If there, if you're getting that feeling, like the willies or whatever it is, over a client not communicating well, it's a, it's a gamble. I would slowly but carefully back away from the situation. I've found that people that have problems communicating you probably usually have to compensate by over-communicating, by by finding yourself doing a lot of explaining, not only a process, but also what your deliverables mean or what research means. And it can be draining. It can be so draining that you are finding yourself just exerting a lot of effort for something that just isn't worth it in the long run. So now that we've gone through a few of the ones that you don't want to deal with, I'm going to give you some characteristics of a really good client. And this is from personal experience. This is also from what I've garnered from other people I've talked to that are also solopreneurs and have gone through the motions of showcasing what kind of professional engagements really work out for them. The best ones are the ones that disclose their budget upfront. They're going to be really upfront about what they're intending to spend on this endeavor. And they do that because they wanna know if they're hiring the right person for the right job. Clients will have a particular impression about a company and want to do things a certain way. Other times, they may, just have, they may have done their homework and they know that you're the one they want. No matter what the situation is, they disclose their budget and they let you know what they're gonna spend and how much they intend to spend. Another thing they do is they share the real intended outcomes from the sprint. What do they want your endeavor, your work to do for them? What is, have they defined that? Have they defined it very well to the point where it's like, after the end of this, we're going to take your work and go in this direction. If they have that insight, then that's a good sign. Another thing is they know the problem they want to solve and the bold outcome they're striving for. They really have a good handle on that. Another characteristic is that they communicate very well. They're very on top of things when it comes to sending documents over, retrieving information, introducing different people you need to meet and, uh, and talk to. They're very responsive in terms of requests. Uh, they uh, can get on a call if need be. They're very receptive to feedback and interaction. Usually when you have all of those things in place on the communication front, it's a very good sign. Another characteristic and this may seem a little surprising but they hold you accountable in a professional way. So if you're if basically if they're investing their time and energy for what you bring to the table, they essentially are going to expect a certain level of professionalism from you whether it's your deliverables, the way you go about design sprints, the way you facilitate them, there's a value expectation associated with your engagement that you need to respect. Another one is that they at, they ask how they can help. It's not just you providing value, but they come around and say, "Well, how can I how can I help with this process? Or how can I help you become help this design sprint become better than anything else? Because they're they have a vested interest in making sure that it's the best it can possibly be." you'll have a client that's very receptive and and asking proactively it's like what can we else can we do to make this work if you have somebody that does this even if it's a representative or people on the client side that are going to be part of the design sprint team that's always a good uh, a good sign they align their organization around the effort so this is not necessarily a good or bad characteristic but it always helps especially if this is something that strategically from the business standpoint is very vital and important to their their uh strat- to the overall business going forward. Now you can work in isolation. You probably don't need to necessarily be aligned with strategy per se, but if you're on the books as something that is deemed important enough to have visibility across the spectrum of the business, that that always helps in terms of it being a very serious endeavor. Another is that they're interested in the long-term plan the sprint is part of. So this isn't just about a feature or an update to something that's existing, which some sprints are kind of used for, but they look at it as like an investment to something bigger and they want you to be part of that investment. They value the your the, the services you provide and the professional relationship you offer. It's always great to hear that this is part of a, of a larger engagement and a, a long-term plan for the business. And finally, they value their professional relationships, and see you as an extension of their brand. They see you and your business as something that their business can partner with in the long term. That usually has to happen after a long-term engagement, exposure of both sides to each other. But if they value that professional relationship and want to continue it, then you really have, and as well as what the other things I've I've said, that's usually the the hallmark of a client that you want to pay attention to, put some time into and really emphasize, because that can really be something where it'll cut down in your best dev work, and you can really start nurturing an engagement that's beneficial for both sides. And that's all I have for this week. Um, I'm gonna add something a little fun into the mix. So, as you've been noticing, I've been changing the intro and outro track every week. If you're listening to this, and you recognize the tune, if you know the artist as well as the song, Bonus, if you know the album, if you can send me what song it is, what album it's from and who the artist is, let's do all three, send that to me at Dallas Design Sprints. So you can say Robert at Dallas Design Sprints or find me on Instagram at spiderbird2018. I'm also on Twitter. I'm also on LinkedIn. Any way that's convenient for you. Let me know if you know what it is and I'll send you a little prize. A small token of appreciation for spending the time to listen to the podcast and telling me all about your musical prowess. So let's have a little fun with it. Until next week, thank you very much for listening. Hopefully it was beneficial and worth your time. Feel free to come back with any feedback you have about the podcast. I'm always interested in improving it. And we'll talk to you later on. Have a good week. See you later.